2: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and
3: 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on at KLWN. Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. We are hey. brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. You didn't even let me get to say hey in there. I ain't went got it. Straight in. Uh, we're going to be talking some KU football today. Off the top, we will have some KU women's basketball. They got a big win against Nebraska last night. We got uh, Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, at 425. John Kirby of Jayhawk Slam breaks down the KU signing class with us at 505. And we've got a bunch of audio to get to you today from Lance Leipold, from some of the coordinators for KU football. So, a show you're not going to want to miss here on RCST. Uh, we're going to start today's show off with Fun with Numbers, one of our favorite segments mm. here. And uh, Fun with what? Fun with Numbers. We're going to oh, okay. be doing KU football history Oh, for the Fun with Numbers on, on this there we go. episode of the show.
4: You know, we were just talking yesterday. They had a, a nice little bowl guide that they came together. And uh, you made the comment that we might be pulling some uh RCST trivia
3: which stuff. I just realized I had the KU Bull guide in this studio and now it's gone. I
4: think somebody moved it into our office. Oh, okay. I think uh, did somebody, else. somebody take it? No, I think they they, they thought somebody they was came so in cool. who which when they when it wasn't sports cuz mm. shockingly, you know, disgustingly, we don't get to talk sports 24/7. Yeah. There's other other programs. What a but shame.
3: uh yeah, no, I think it's in our office. So yeah, I think okay. Uh well, if if KU beats UNLV in the Guaranteed Right poll next Tuesday, here right here on KLWN, it would be the sixth nine-or-more-win season in program history. Think about that. KU yeah. football has been around since like what, the late years. 1890s, yeah. something like Over that. 100 years. More than that. 130 years, basically. Yeah. And you've only had five other nine-or-more-win seasons. Now, on one hand... That is a number that you feel like is way too low and a number that you're looking to have grow here and a number that you feel like with Lance Leipold, you can have plenty more of those. Sure. But that means that you have an opportunity to do something in this game that not a lot of other Kansas teams have done. And I know that, yep. uh, yes, when you're looking at numbers like that, you know, you, you look back to the the 1900s and uh, in the early to mid 1900s, you're, you're talking you played, about like, playing what? 10 game seasons, thing. eight yeah. game seasons, even sometimes. Uh, once you get into the you know uh, late 1900s, you're talking about playing 11 games in a season. Uh, you're talking about some years where you know eventually in the 2000s, your 12th game is the bowl game. So like, it's not congruent. Um, in terms of the schedule and everything. But still, that that means that while you may look at it and say, oh, it's a random bowl game on the day after Christmas against UNLV, why does it matter that much? Here's why it matters, because you can do something in program history that's only been done five other times.
4: Yeah, yeah. And, and in a season where you finish 8-4, and four, and I think for a lot of KU fans, you feel like you could have had two or three more wins on top of that, and yet here you are still on the verge of possibly doing something that has been done only a handful of times in program history, uh, which, which again, I think indicates that there's still more room for this program to continue to tra- traject upward, uh, even beyond this season. So uh, y- uh, you'd love to get that, and you'd love to be able to say, hey, you know, even in a season where we felt like there was more possibly left on the table, you still were able to do something pretty remarkable and do something that still would would put you as one of the one of the top seasons in in program history, right? Which is which is really really impressive to say. And and, and going forward, I think it just further elevates elevates the the uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. The uh, expectations, there yep. expectations of the program. I'm trying to think of the right word. You know, sometimes words they they come to me and sometimes they don't. You know, my brain is not the best out there. Uh, but yeah, just elevate the expectations season. You know, going forward in the going forward here with Lance Leipold and and uh, you know when you have high expectations and you hit those and or you you push further for the program, that's only going to further entice better players, better coaching, all all of the above uh, for Kansas. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we talked about it quite a bit, right? Like even in a season where you go eight and four, and you feel like you left a couple games on the table, you still have a chance to go down as one of the better seasons that KU's had in its entire program history.
3: And also, you have only done this twice. Uh, Program history where you won nine games or more in a season and had a bowl win in the same year. So if you do that this year, it would just be the third time you've ever done that in program history, joining the 07 team that went 12 and one won the Orange Bowl and the 1995 Aloha Bowl team that went 10 and two and won the Aloha Bowl. So uh, it's not just opportunity to be the sixth team ever with nine or more wins opportunity to be the third team in program history with nine or more wins and a bowl game in the same season so yeah uh, pretty cool opportunity here for KU against UNLV and uh, obviously that all goes into the idea that you know nowadays in college football bowl games you never know how motivated a team is going to be you never know how motivated you know some of these different schools are going to be going into their game who's going to opt out all those things and I think from the the Kansas perspective that kind of shows you that yes there should be obvious motivation and while you know last year they did get to make another bowl game. They didn't win the bowl game. So uh, for the players on the team, like this game certainly will mean uh, a lot as it, I think will to UNLV because they haven't been in a bowl game in a while. And also they're looking to become a 10 win program, which is uh, pretty cool for them. Now, uh, if Kansas beats UNLV, I would think it, it increases the chance that KU could be a preseason top 25 team in the AP poll next year. Um, Like it or not, like it does matter to the preseason poll, how you finish in this bowl game. I know it, it, it theoretically, shouldn't because it's like, well, this kind of team an, isn't an, the same as the like next year. It's an, it's team, an right? exhibition, and like, yeah. you know,
4: you have might have guys opting out, you might have different rosters. It'll than just maybe be different, right? Season. Yeah. But it does.
3: It does. It absolutely does. You look at the teams who typically, you know, you finish the team strong, and sometimes it's based on, well, because you won your bowl game, you finished the season ranked in the AP Top 25, and then because you finished the season ranked when pollsters are putting together a poll for the next year, maybe they're starting with that poll and being like, okay, I'll drop this team down. They lost this, this, and that. Well, and this team brings back this, this, and then." that. And I, listen. I think if you win the game, you have an increased chance of being ranked in the preseason. We are a
4: what-have-you-done-for-me-lately society, and that is, I think, increased exponentially when you talk about preseason polls and mm-hmm. stuff like that where it's, well, how would you how you finish the season? How'd you, you know how would you finish the season, right? So uh, yeah, if you get a win, you might have a, you might have a case for that, right? I mean, you look at KU's roster. Jalen Daniels is coming back now. I wonder how much, from an outside perspective, like you know from a national perspective or from somebody not maybe following the program closely, how much maybe their view of Jalen Daniels might be slightly diminished after this season, considering the fact that he was hurt the whole year and maybe the hype for him will be because you know coming into this coming into this season. I think there was. I mean, obviously, Big Twelve preseason Player of the Year. There was a lot of people from the outside recognizing, "Hey, this dude, this dude uh, in Lawrence is is pretty good." But him now, him not having played for so long, you wonder if maybe there that hype might be kind of diminished a little bit. But I mean, you have a chance to bring back Devin Neal, Daniel Hyshaw, You look at your receiving core; you could be bringing back. You are going to lose a little bit off the O line, but you feel still pretty good. Uh, you lose Mason Fairchild, but you still got Trevor Cardell and Jared Casey. You look at the defense; there is still some question marks with with guys like Austin Booker and Jamie Robinson, but. You feel pretty good already having Melo come back, possibly Kobe. Like this is going to be a team that, yeah, it's probably one of the top twenty to thirty teams in the country right now. Top 20, 30, 40 teams in the country right now, and they're going to be bringing back a sizable majority of their main weapons going into next season. And if you win this game against UNLV, I would, I would have no doubt that I would personally have them in my top twenty-five. Now, unfortunately, the AP has not gifted me with a, an AP yet. vote, and probably for good reason. I probably do not deserve a vote. Uh, because I would be heavily biased and just vote Kansas, but that's beside the point. The point is that I think they would be a tough- <laughs> probably
3: shouldn't have said that publicly because now the AP poll definitely now, yeah
4: now they're de- de- yeah no, they yeah they they definitely know now. Although listen, if they listen to five minutes of this show, they would know that I would always vote Kansas higher and I would always vote Kansas State and Missouri lower. <laughs> so they would they should already know. Well, I'm probably unlike the. Do you think they have like a blacklist of
3: like, like do let have these people guy. don't let these people have yeah, any like- sort of serious. Sway of anything. It's just yeah. It's just they have a picture in an office somewhere, and they're like, "Don't <laughs> let this person ever get a vote." Um, and and I know what you're saying. Like, I, there might be some people you might be listening in your car, going, "Well, who cares if they're ranked in the preseason or not?" Like, if you go ten and two, it doesn't matter. Well, we do know that the typically teams who are ranked in the preseason, like you start at a higher base. That there just typically is that inherent bias that is given to. You know, why is this team ranked 6th versus this team's ranked 8th? Well, maybe because they started ranked 20th and you started unranked. Well, and, and it's just a prestige thing. It is. right? It's just a prestige thing. Well, like and I would just... imagine nowadays in the transfer portal, and also because think about it, 16 of 17 of KU's commits, Graydon Grimes, the one exception here, committed to KU during the off season, correct? Yeah. Wouldn't that be even easier to recruit kids when we're talking about in the summer if you're a preseason top 25 team? Yeah, you know, wouldn't it be, be. easier to, to bring kids in in the transfer portal if you're looking to make a late addition, uh, whether it's in, you know, the spring and, and you have all these preseason magazines out and the the estimated way too early top 25 polls, or if it is in the summer when maybe some of these polls are out, wouldn't you think if you were, you know, if, if you're a, a transfer and you're like, I have one last year of play and I want to go somewhere where I can win a lot of games. And you see, oh, see, Kansas ranked 24th. It might matter. It might. It, honestly. No, I think it definitely does. And on, on top of it, it's also the history thing going back to this. Like Kansas has only been preseason AP top 25 six times. 1952 1961, 1976, 1996, 2008, 2009, and yeah, some of those years, um, like '96, they went four and seven. 2009, they went you know five and seven. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to be great. There are other years where they did you know have good years after being preseason ranked. Like 1952, they reached as high as number seven. Uh, 1961, they went seven three and one. 1976, they only went six and five, but they reached as high as number eight. Uh, and I think they started like four and zero oh, something like that. I think uh, Nolan Car- Cromwell, who was Unbelievable player ended up getting injured, and then they fell to six and five. But uh, point being, it would just be cool history, and I think there are inherent values of if you can be a preseason top twenty five team.
4: Yeah, it's just it's one of those like simultaneously silly but also very tangible right. things to be like this program is on the upward trend. Like right, like it seems kind of silly to think that that would matter, but it definitely does. Right, it's it's a tangible thing, little number next to your next next to your logo where you can say okay. Progress, trending upwards, Yeah, continuing that trend.
3: Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, another history thing I want to get to is with Devin Neal. Uh, Devin Neal goes into this bowl game with an opportunity to, um, you know, really cement his legacy a little bit, and obviously if he comes back another season. So I wanted to look back, and I wanted to look at individual rushing seasons and see, like, where Devin Neal ranks because the career numbers are going to come if he comes back another year uh, compared to some of the other guys who have had individual single-season great years. So Devin Neal right now is the fourth most individual rushing yards in a season at Kansas twelve oh nine. It's not entirely impossible that he could break the record. I mean, the record's John Cornish with fourteen fifty seven and 0-6. That would take an epic bowl game, but two hundred fifty so yards, yeah, like two hundred fifty yards. It's the Oklahoma State game that he had last year, right? Yeah. And maybe yeah. in a bowl game, if this is truly Devin Neal's last game, like let him ride. You know what I mean? Yeah. Feed him. So it's possible, but I think it's interesting because when you look at it. All three guys above him in single season yards, so Cornish in 06, Sands in 1991, Henley in 1996, 5.8 yards per carry, 5.3 yards per carry, 4.5 yards per carry. Devin Neal's at 6.6, and that's pretty incredible. And then when you add in the, uh, uh, the the total touchdowns that he has, he has 16 total touchdowns. Now, Henley had 18, but Cornish and Sands each only had nine. So I, I think you can make the real case. Now, again, th- this goes back to the game thing, like... Devin Neal's playing 12 games. Those guys are playing 12 with a bowl game. Um, and that does matter here. But, I mean, there, there's a chance that Devin Neal could cap off if he has that big of a bowl game. Arguably the greatest single season of a KU running back. Yeah. And listen, there's been it's been
4: highlighted by a lot of really great moments, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you go back to start of the season. Missouri State, has got he's got a long touchdown run. He has another long touchdown run out of half uh, another game later in the season. You look at the Texas Tech game. He kind of helps kickstart that game. Against Kansas State, he has probably the best run of the season for that touchdown against Kansas State. I mean, that was awesome. Uh, so he's just he's just been dynamite. He's just been explosive, and he makes big plays. And and KU I think has utilized him in, in in the right way. You know, I think there's a lot of people that would say, well, you know, you get him, you need to get him the ball as many times as possible. And while you do want to do that, you also want to make sure you don't you don't burn a guy out, right? I mean, in this in this era of football where athletes are just bigger and stronger, and you know you don't want to you don't want to got to take be taking that many hits and it's shown, right? I mean, you know, Devin Neal has been healthy throughout the whole season and it's shown in his explosiveness and his one cut ability and his vision throughout the whole course of the season. Right. I think last season he had some games where he wasn't fully healthy and it kind of reflected a little bit, but this season at full strength,
3: the whole season he has been outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I just thought that was kind of interesting what, what he can cap off here. I also wanted to look at Jason Bean's career Kansas numbers because um because of the fact that he didn't start his career KU and because he's in and out of the starting lineup from you know when, when Jalen Daniels was the starter or due to injury a little bit this year, uh, his career numbers aren't going to end up where they possibly could, but he, they're still going to end up really well. He currently ranks ninth at KU in career passing yards, fourth in career passing touchdowns. He is tied fifth in total touchdowns responsible for, sixth in total offensive yards, which he moves up to fifth with 130 in the bowl game, fourth with 260. Both of those are attainable. And uh, if he can get two touchdown passes in the bowl, he would have two top ten passing touchdown seasons individually all time at KU. And, and I think it just brings up an interesting question to me: What if Jason Bean like would have started his career at KU with Lance Leipold and, and and the infrastructure they have? Yeah, would he be going down at the end of his tenure as the best quarterback that the KU's had in? I, I don't know, I I I don't want to say ever because you've had Heisman candidates, you've had Todd Reese, but like he would probably be a clear cut top five. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, listen, we've
4: we've talked about it. In a world where Jalen Daniels didn't exist, Jason Bean would be talked about in a lot different way, I think. In a lot of different ways. Because he has been the most stable, best, reliable quarterback you've had. I mean, you got you got like a season and a half of Carter Stanley, basically. Uh, and then you had like that one season of Michael Cummings in like what 2013 or 2012 mm-hmm. or whatever but since since Todd Reesing like i mean he's been he's been he's been that guy and he's been steadily he's steadily improved and he's gotten better and better and and yeah in a world where Jalen Daniel's d- doesn't exist or doesn't end up coming to Kansas you'd be looking at Jason Bean and unequivocally you would say he's the best quarterback since Todd Reesing and he's probably in that discussion of you know top 5 top 7 8 quarterbacks that KU has had right uh, just based off of his progression. And and I, KU fans, I think, also, they love a great story, right? Yeah. Devin Neal, you know, KJ Adams, guys like that. That's where Jason Bean would be in this situation, right? A story of a guy who came in and was really, really struggled early on and, you know, looked like he was maybe going to fall into the same category of some previous transfer quarterbacks you've seen at Kansas where come in and, and not that Jason Bean was necessarily, like, hyped big time coming in. But the idea of, you know, coming in as a transfer quarterback to start, kind of floundering, but th- he didn't give up, right? Kept playing and uh, and got better and better. And now look where he is now, right? Yeah, for so. sure.
3: No, I mean, like if, if you would have been a freshman in 2021 and you reset his clock, like what does that look like? A couple other footnote ones I just wanted to mention here. Luke Grimm is tied ninth in KU at career receptions. He's only 33 back of fourth place, long ways from the top three. So there's a good chance if he comes back for next year, he'll be a top five uh, in that category. Lawrence Arnold, ninth in career receiving yards. He is 860 behind second, over 1,500 from number one. So probably there's a good chance he could become second all time. But if he does have it, uh, you know, all-American level year next year and came back, then I guess he could be number one. Who's the top three for receptions? It's Briscoe,
4: I'd assume, and then... Kerry Meyer, probably. That's your top two,
3: I would think. Uh, I want to say Steven Sims might be up there. Stephen Sims, maybe? Yeah, I think uh, so. For re- receiving yards, Desmond Briscoe is uh, the number one all time uh, with 3,240. Steven Sims is second. Carrie Meyer's third. Willie Vaughn fourth. Mark Simmons fifth. And then for receptions, it's Carrie Meyer first. Desmond Briscoe second. Steven Sims third. Mark Simmons fourth. Kwame Laster. But the so there's a gap between fifth.
4: those top three, though.
3: Meyer After 226, Briscoe 219, Sims 214, and then, yeah, fourth Simmons is 155. Yeah. So a big gap there between those. And then uh, the other big one, Kenny Logan, uh, if he gets seven tackles, he would move into the top five all-time at KU in career tackles. He's already number one for tackles by a defensive back. But he would move into top five all time with seven. And if he gets twelve in the bowl game, he would finish tied fourth with Joe Denine. Thirteen, he would move into fourth by himself. So certainly some numbers to keep an eye on in the bowl game. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. KU Women's Basketball got a huge win last night against Nebraska. Let's discuss next on RCST. <laughs> About a half past three on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're gonna be joined by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, coming up. In the middle of the 4 o'clock hour, John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant comes on with us at 5.05. No high school sports weekly tonight out of Mama's Tamale Shop. We're off for our uh, winter break. We'll be back in January, but still go out to Mama's Tamale Shop. Best authentic Mexican food in Lawrence. KU Women's Basketball wins last night 69-52 to at home against Nebraska. And uh, probably the biggest win of the year so far for KU. I don't know necessarily how good the nebraska team is going to be um nebraska ball is uh all about it this year both the men's and the women's team have done pretty well for them so far but yeah i I guess you never totally know uh they came into the game nine and two so that would tell you that they've been pretty good but obviously you know you never know because some teams go 12 and 0 in the non-con where they don't play anybody and then once they get to conference play they go like you know three and 15 or something like that yeah Uh, but it's the nebraska team that beat you last year in lincoln and it was a Nebraska team that coming into the game was ranked, I think, 19th in the net rankings. Now, again, this early in the season, you know, take the net rankings with a grain of salt. But uh, that certainly is is one thing that that makes it kind of interesting there. And um, it is a Nebraska team, too, that, you know, last year they were, I think, 18 and 15 that ended up uh, rematching with KU and the NIT. Um I think, in the third round of the NIT. So, like, they were good enough to make the postseason. So, anyway, point being, they're at least a decent team. And you, you beat the brakes off them. It was never really a game. You, you got up big. You stifled them all game long. This wasn't really a game about one individual or one player going off. I mean, Zakiya Franklin did have 16 points, uh, and she was really good for KU. But this was about the defense. Yeah. Yeah, and Nebraska has – they
4: have a good center. A really good player at center. Who she did get hers. Markowski had she had 19 points for Nebraska, but wasn't effective from the field. Seven of 19 shooting. So that tells you that KU, even though they still, even though she still, got some points on the board, it she had to work for them. And KU was really doing a good job down low. And to your point on the other side, four starters and double figures for Kansas, uh, scoring wise, right? So really good job by Kansas. There, it wasn't just one player individually, you know, having a big game. And and they did they did get some good minutes off the bench. The bench didn't necessarily give them a ton of points. But they got some good minutes, right? Ryan Cobbins, a second consecutive game where it seemed like she got some really good minutes for them. Played I think she finished minutes. the game for them, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: And if you li- if you listen to one Bill Self, it's not about who starts the <laughs> game, who right. finishes. So. No, but there were some good defensive possessions. Ball pressure from Skylar Gale again. Laia Conesa was out there making a nice little impact off the bench. Yeah, it was, it was nice to see. I mean, you held them to 18 of 63. That's under 29% from the floor. Yeah. They shot 3 of 20 in the fourth quarter. So, end result, KU sits at 7 and 4. They've now won four straight games. Uh, Their net ranking jumped from 47th to 41st in that game. I guess right now, technically, this is a quad one win. So, uh, that that is a big-time win for KU. And I think at this point in time, 7 and 4, you look at it. If you can go 11 and 7 in the Big 12, I think you're feeling good about your tournament potential. Yeah. You go 10 and 8. You probably have work to do in the Big 12 tournament. You go 9 and 9 or worse, probably in some trouble. Well, listen, the Big 12 is is shaping up to be – yeah. Equally as good on the women's
4: side as it is as it normally you know, on the men's side, it's always the best conference in America. On the women's side, it's kind of shaping up that way too. There's some teams that have got off to really, really strong starts to start the season.
3: TCU, who was like the bottom feeder in the Big Twelve last year, is undefeated right now. They're ranked yeah. in the top twenty five. And you look so. at a
4: team like K State, who was
3: projected, like behind 12 KU, team right yeah, now. projected behind KU. Yeah, projected behind KU, and they've been really, really good. Yeah. So uh definitely gonna be a tough conference. All right, after the game, we got a chance to hear from zakai Franklin and Holly Kirsketer. Here is what they had to say with members of the media
5: for both of you, just kind of what uh, led you to the second quarter boost? Because it was pretty even the rest of the game, but the second quarter really you guys split out away from them. Uh, I would just
2: say the defensive intensity, how we came out is how we wanted to start the first uh, three minutes of that second quarter or second half. So I would say that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were tired, I think, at first. But we just stepped on the gas defensively, like she said. Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember the first quarter. What what happened? What was the score?
6: I just know it was like. It was 11-9 after one, and then you beat
1: them 21-8. See, I mean, yeah. yeah. So I don't mean, know. We just we just kind of played a little harder. So, but I mean, that was the like entire emphasis of the game was just defense. I think they averaged like 81 points a game. So we were like, we can't we can't get that up. For,
6: for both of you, how much how much did you need this one? Power five a big
2: play. How, how, how big was this one oh, it was it was very big time uh I think just early on we were tested in our conference and to finish it off with the test that's even big uh the momentum and we're very thankful to the crowd who you know helped you know heed to that type of energy we had tonight
1: yeah I mean I think people look at us and they're maybe discouraged like they look at our record and they think man you know what type of season are they having but I think when you really look at it it's like wow you know they're they're fighting so then when we keep Playing opponents like this, it, you know, it helps us. So we we needed this. How physical was it for you guys in the game? Because it obviously looked like a very tough one. Mhm. They <laughs> get coached like that. Just how they, it's just how they play. So, um, but that's something. I mean, it's something you can scout. But like, I mean, you can't really prepare for it until it's happening. So once you kind of get a feel for it, you know, you just adjust and get over it. But I mean, I think it's both ways. I mean, we, we didn't shoot that many free throws either. so, And and they didn't. So you just adjust and move on.
6: Depth was a big part of the conversation last year. I know it's a part of the conversation this year. But you, you had three of your reserves start that second quarter and, and kind of help pull away. Mm-hmm. How, how much can that help them and, and obviously the team as a result?
1: I mean, it's everything, just like you said. I mean, they were part of the big run we had. Um, so I think when you have people in the game and everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing, it helps everyone. It helps the team. So and that's the ultimate goal. Um, we were just on the same page. I mean, we knew we needed to step on the gas, and, and we did. So.
6: Is there something that, that that those subs need to kind of understand, not about the game and not about the team, but just do they have Freedoms, you, do you have to coach them up to say be aggressive? I mean, things like that. Uh, is, is, that is that coming? Is that there? Are you starting to yeah,
1: that? It, it's kind of in and out. And it depends on the opponent. You mm-hmm. know, if someone could be coming in and have a specific defensive role, or someone could be, could be coming in and, and have a specific offensive role. And like you said, that could be coming with, you know, conference play and, and uh, you know, different opponents. But regardless, that's always changing. You know, it's not like. You're gonna write down on a piece of paper, hey, you have to do this this game, and that's that. So, but that's just part of the game. It's just adjusting, you know, knowing what's coming and and preparing for it. But, you know, we just did a good job of it tonight, especially the reserves. Mm -hmm. Twin had her 800th career rebound tonight's game. How big is that for you guys? Because I know rebounding was something
2: you guys needed tonight. Oh, it's huge. It's been a huge thing for our team, and uh, I think that's really big for her. So, uh, I think just. Knowing like just personnel and stuff like that, it'll it'll be really big for us. Just moving forward, that's something we always harp on about is just rebounding in general. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I oh, should agree.
6: She got fired up. She 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 was she was into it. You guys know that. We all know that. We all saw it. What does that do for you guys when she's like that? Because I know she's intense, but sometimes she's kind of just yeah her double double and it's no big deal. But when she's turned up like that, it is a big deal. Does it does it help you? Does it does it affect you in any, in any uh, way? Positive, negative? In anything?
2: I think for us, like, it uh, just energizes us even more, you know. She's out there. She's playing hard, you know, just doing what she can, you know. Uh, so, I just think it just energizes us, really. So.
1: And I think, like you said, like the opponent. Like, we knew they were going to come in and just bully us. And mm-hmm. so, when, you know, she's she's in a position to bully them back, we're going to be right there behind her. So, I think there's a thin line because it's like, you know, you don't want her to get out of control and foul people or get in her head. Um but you also have to know when to be behind her and, and support her and push her in that role also. So we just weren't going to let them come in and do that.
6: Also, right, one more. I want to ask you both, too, about, about Samaya and, and kind of her evolution as mm-hmm. the non-conference play has wrapped up now. I mean, what have you seen from minute one to, to tonight as far as her just growing with college basketball and with your team, and, and, and how big a step has she taken?
2: I think she's made a big step. I think each and every single game she's getting more comfortable. Uh, just getting more aggressive and just, you know, finding her rhythm on this team and just, we're just feeding off of her. So I think it's really great for her and just great for us.
1: No, she's doing great. And I mean, there's always room to grow and she knows that. So I think she just has a really good attitude and open mind. Um, And that's going to take her a lot of places. So I'm not worried about her.
3: (laughs) That was Zakiya Franklin and Holly Kerskeeter. Also after the game, got to hear from the head coach, Brandon Schneider. Here is what he had to say with members of the media.
5: The three fouls that Markowski had in the uh, second quarter. What kind of taking her off the court? What what did that allow you guys to be able to do in that push? Well, I think you know she's a really key and important uh, you know member of their team, and they do a great job of playing through her. Um, you know, I wish we would have done a better job of taking advantage of being in the bonus in the second quarter. We had about five and a half minutes of being in the bonus, and. Uh, I, I didn't think we were uh, – I thought we settled for some jumpers. Um, so I think that's something that we can learn from. But, uh, you know, any time, as we see with Jackson, um, you know, any time you have a, an important player in foul trouble, um, it changes the the complexity of the team.
6: Brendan, how, how, how much did you need this <laughs> one? How much did your, your girls need to, to
5: get one like it, It's – you know, it was the next game, but uh, I think – with the aspirations that we have, uh, it was very, very important. Um, you know, it's the first game uh, against a, a power five opponent that we've been at um, full strength and uh, I think, and, and played with, without being in foul trouble. Um, so uh, I'd like to think that uh, playing the difficult non-conference schedule that we have, that we've learned a few things. Uh, and that tonight maybe we demonstrated some growth. Is there
6: something at the top of that list? What you have learned or they have
5: learned? Well, we got to do a better job of rebounding. Uh, I thought we were excellent in the first half, um, not very good in the second. In the first half, I thought we did a great job of defending without fouling. Uh, probably did that for three quarters and then, um, you know, not so much in the fourth. So, uh, work in progress, um, but I think if we can. Uh, continue uh, to improve rebounding and defending without fouling, um, then then we'll see a lot of improvement in our team.
1: Samaya so and that have kind of rotated in the point guard position. Seems Samaya did a lot more recently. What's the decision behind that?
5: You know, it, it, a lot of it is uh, relative to um, you know what we're trying to run. I think uh, there's some. Some real value in having uh, Samaya in a decision-making role, uh, especially against a certain kind of ball screen coverage, uh, just because she has the size and the strength, um, you know, to read the help and the tags.
6: What would you, how would you assess her her first taste of college basketball now that non-conference is over? I mean,
5: well, I've, I've said and I believe this tonight. She wasn't, but. She's been our best player, and that's not what we need. Um, we need her to be good, and we need her to uh, play at a high level in regards to her role. But um, you know, p- part of our record being what it is is, um, you know, we haven't had, uh, you know, Twin hadn't played enough minutes. She's been in foul trouble, and um, you know, maybe some of our other veterans have not played to the level that um, that they know they have to. Um, You know, tonight I think we have to have some grace. Uh, It was a very physical game. Um, She got to her spots. She just missed some shots. Um, But uh, I think you saw how confident we are in her um, when it's time to close out a game.
6: I wanted to ask you, too, about the the start of the second quarter. I know you've talked recently about depth, I mean, all last year, and then this year, too. You you start three reserves in the second quarter. Is that just a, hey, we're going to see if we can kind of give them some meaningful minutes and see what they respond, or what, what was the thought there?
5: No, I think I think when, when I look back, I'm probably going to be upset with myself um, that we didn't do more of that in the second half, uh, because I thought, you know, when we went to our bench, especially in the second quarter, you know, we were really good. We were fresher, and... Um, I believe in those guys, um, and I need to make sure that uh, you know I'm not I'm not uh, trying to hold on to the lead too hard that I don't give them opportunities, and and that was probably uh, you know a, a mistake I made tonight.
3: All right, that was Brandon Schneider, head coach for the KU women's basketball team after they took down Nebraska last night, right here on KLWN. We're going to take a timeout. We've got some uh, audio from Jeff Grimes, Jim Zabrowski, Lance Leipold, all to come throughout the show. Voice of the Jayhawks at 425. And John Kirby, 505 here on KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting around in a studio all day, I feel loose and limber thanks to Massage Envy and their Total Body Stretch Service. If you have aches from a day at the office, working out, maybe around a round of golf, Massage Envy can help. All you need to do is relax and breathe deep during the stretches, and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind. And they also have rapid tension services and advanced skin care. Massage Envy on six street in lawrence and 119th and black bob in Alatha. about half past four you're listening to rock chalk sports talk on klwn we've got some uh, Lance Leipold audio audio we did get a chance to get to from yesterday from signing day we'll get to that throughout the show john kirby jayhawk slant will help us break down the signing glass at 505 but joined now by the voice of the jayhawks with brian haney on the show so um i want to start with some basketball and, and going back to the indiana game I, I saw you, you get to post something afterwards on social media that it was kind of a unique setup where you were sitting and everything. And I, I think that was kind of a common theme from from what I've heard and seen from KU fans that they really enjoyed... Everything going out there, the environment of the game, obviously, you know, helps when you win the game and and have a fun comeback there and uh, that they enjoyed the town of Bloomington. Uh, I guess how enjoyable was was getting to call the game and and being out there at,
0: at that arena? It was a blast. You know, even the night before being in downtown Bloomington, we went to a place called Knicks, which is like the wheel of Bloomington and everybody was so welcoming and inviting they saw us wearing stuff and it wasn't contentious and trash talk it was welcome to indiana we're excited for tomorrow it carried on throughout the, the pregame and then during the game obviously they were booing hunter because he was asking for it but uh but when the game was over like i said in my post we're sitting about 10 rows up into the stands and so for fans in the lower section of the stands in a very steep incline on each side, they have to exit around us and in front of us, and they're getting kind of hung up for about 5 to 10 seconds per person as they come down these stairs. So I don't know, if you've recently seen the movie A Christmas Story with Ralphie, think about the line of kids to get up to Santa's lap, and and they're just gradually, in this case, they're going down instead of up, but there's a pause for about 10 seconds, and then it's the next person for about 10 seconds, and they're seeing me sitting there in this really bright blue blazer. Say that three times fast. And uh, and they're like, we should say something to this guy. And every single one of them to a man said something nice love your team, congratulations, best of luck the rest of the way, Merry Christmas, Man self's good, what a comeback. <laughs> I mean, and I'm just, yeah. like, graciously accepting these things, saying thank you, and <laughs> great place, great venue, great atmosphere, you know. And finally, you know, we were back from a commercial break, and I had to talk, and so they stopped saying stuff at that point. But it was just so surprising because, hey, I've – been in other places that shall not be named where court stormings occurred. And I had students give me the double bird and, and, uh, all kinds of stuff. A little different. Uh, and so, like I said in the post, you know, the players would say game recognizes game. This was tradition recognizing tradition, two programs that are, if not both blue blood status, certainly very close. And, uh, two programs that absolutely respect one another based on all the tradition and history and the venue. I mean, again, I don't want to make any uh, enemies in Lexington, but so much better than going to Rupp because it has that old, unique architecture, one-of-a-kind type venue feel, whereas Rupp just kind of feels like Like a a big arena. It's connected to a mall. Uh, the night before our last game there, they had like a Christian rap concert on a Friday Oops. night before a Saturday <laughs> basketball game. I mean, imagine that at Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah. I know we used to have back in the olden days other stuff going on in the fog, but now it's such a hallowed, sacred ground. You wouldn't dare, you know, have somebody come in the night before <laughs> with a, you know, big... Well, I guess technically now we have rap concerts <laughs> yes, yes. at late night. Intertwined. But, but you know yeah. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wouldn't have that as a regular no, concert it's, it's going not spot. not an entertainment facility. It's no. a basketball facility. Unless yeah. it's yeah. late night. Yes. Yeah. Um and Tony Sands is is up there with uh whoever our yeah, 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 um I've drawn a blanket floor Flo no, There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah they all blend together oh, after yeah. a while chains. I almost chains. said Florida, Georgia
3: line, and that's very different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lil Yachty, Shaq, we've had a
0: lot uh-huh. of them in recent years. Anyways, I digress. Um it's just really cool venue, unique. I think my only uh constructive criticism for Assembly Hall is that they built it so steep, and then they have a second tier of seats that creates an overhang at the top of the first tier. And if you're sitting on the top row of the first tier underneath the overhang, literally all you can see <laughs> is a window of, of uh, court and oh, nothing man. above it or below it. They have TV screens to show you the scoreboard because you can't see the score at all wow. where you're at. And so they tried to cram so many in there and, and just go sky high. And then they made it really tight behind the baskets. You probably noticed there's only about yeah. 20 rows behind each basket. So architecturally unique, which makes it cool, but maybe not the most uh, um, efficient use of space. But, man, the fans were classy. And that's a place I hope we get to go back to. And I hope that's a series we'll continue to yeah. schedule because a lot of respect between these two.
3: Well, not quite as storied of a series with uh, who KU has coming in Friday night. Doesn't take away from the game. But uh, KU-Yale, uh, pregame 5.30 here on KLWN, 105.9 KISS. Tip-off will be at 7 o'clock. Uh, when you look at this Bulldogs team, you know we saw last year Harvard, uh, another Ivy League team. That was a close game with uh, you know, 8, 10 minutes to go. And then KU ended up pulling away with a, a nice run to finish off. What's kind of your impressions of Yale and, and what can... Uh, I guess, KU kind of gained from this game before Christmas? Well,
0: I think Hunter will be tested, another non-con opponent that has more size than you might expect. And in this case, Danny Wolf's the reigning Ivy League Player of the Week. Their team, by the way, picked to win the Ivy League. So he averages 13-9 a game. He's 7 feet tall. I'm not saying that uh, over 35 minutes, he's going to match Hunter possession for possession, point for point. But I think he'll make it tougher than it has been in some of these non con games to score over him they've got another kid who's six ten, so there's link there uh as bill self said somewhat tongue-in-cheek it's a very heady team uh you know given their uh very their smart, natural yeah. brightness <laughs> but uh but no i think they're well coached and you know it's the same coach that beat baylor back in 2016 in the ncaa tournament so a lot of respect for the program ku 3-0 and all time last time we beat them that season ended pretty well That was the uh, 07-08 team, and we beat them in late December of 07. So uh, hopefully you a similar trajectory after this one, but I don't worry as much about the look-ahead factor with this Kansas team before the holidays because I think we've talked so much about look-ahead factor in the last four weeks with a non-con opponent on Tuesday and then either UConn or Missouri or something like that. There was no midweek game in this case. They're excited to get back out on the floor. Um, And and I think, you know, for the bench that doesn't have Johnny Furphy in the rotation, which. Remind me to come back to that in a second. Yeah, um, They're excited to get an extended run here. So I, I think we'll see a dialed-in effort out of Kansas, and uh, hopefully they win this one convincingly. Back to Furphy. Yeah. Real quickly, you guys will appreciate this as show hosts and as guys that do play-by-play. And, and the number one thing of being a play-by-play guy is you have to always have the trust of your head coach and never set him up to say something he doesn't want to, or you know, misrepresent something. Those are the, the golden rules in having longevity in this business. And I very innocuously stepped in the Johnny Furphy news on Monday's Hawk Talk. But this is why Bill Self is so great. And this is why basketball is different than football. And I'm not saying Self to Leipold is different in general. I'm just saying the two sports are different we're talking about Christmas break and this being the last game before Christmas break. And in my mind, knowing how long a flight to Sydney is or Melbourne, there's no way he's going to Melbourne and back in 96 hours. You know, you'd have time to maybe have one cup of eggnog and then head right back home. So, um, I say to him on Monday night talk, talk, so will Johnny be able to spend the holidays with a teammate or something, not knowing that they had this pre-orchestrated arrangement that, when he reclassified to come in a year earlier, there was this commitment that he had to be back for, and Self said he's not going to get into it, but he's, he's got to be there. So I toss that out there unknowingly, innocuously, innocently, and Self addresses it head on and says, oh, actually, he's not going to be there. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, when we get to break, commercial break, I got to apologize. He's, he might be upset. You know, He probably didn't want to release that here. We get to break, and he's like, no big deal. He's like, football guys worry about way too much. (laughs) He's like, football coaches would would be upset. He's he's like, We know who we're going to play. Our opponents probably know who we're going to play and what we're going to do. If they do, that's just good scouting and they're doing their job right. And and so he didn't care one bit. But I do think on a positive note, you know, for Jamari McDowell, who showed us some really good things, I thought, in that second half. And Nick, who had some decent minutes in the first half, didn't hit shots necessarily, but stayed on the floor longer because the defense is coming around a little bit. They'll have a chance to play through some mistakes just a little bit more, and, and hopefully that leads to a good showing for them both.
3: Yeah, I, I wonder if this could be uh, the best thing for Nick Timberlake specifically. Maybe there's – I mean, it's it's only 13, 14 minutes a game for Furphy, but – and I don't know, do, does all 14 go to one guy? Does five go here, five go there? Does it get split up seven and seven with, with Timberlake and and uh, McDowell? I, I don't know, but I, I think in the back of your mind, knowing that you have a little bit more leash, a little bit more leeway mm-hmm. – I think that's got to be the biggest thing here because we we know the track record is there. He is a good shooter, uh, but with some of the struggles he's had shooting the ball, I, I can't help but wonder if it is mental. And it's something Bill Self talked about today that, you know, it's just a different role. It's a different role. You come off the bench and you know that if you go over for 2, you might not get that, you know, second-half stint out there. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a normal game, if you're a starter, you can go over for 2. You might get three more shots, you know, from three. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's definitely uh, – I don't know. We'll, we'll see if it ends up being good for him in uh, kind of the long run here. Now, uh, from the football side of things, in the Guaranteed Rate bowl, uh Tuesday is that game, 8 o'clock local time. Pre-game will start at 6.30 here on KLWN. Uh, first things first, though, I'd mean, i I'd imagine quick turnaround for you going from the game Friday. I don't know when you're heading out there for the Guaranteed Rate. Well, what's Christmas plans going to be like this year? How, how is that going to be altered by the uh, travel?
0: I'm going the next day on the Sorry. 23rd because we've got a bowl game press conference Mm -hmm. on the 24th. Lance will want to take pregame on the 24th. So I'm flying out separate from the team, but uh, it'll be a a solo Christmas in Phoenix and in Scottsdale. I'm sure you got some recommendations you can give me as a well-traveled West Coast guy. But uh, looking forward to it, and uh, we'll celebrate with the family once I get back on the 27th. But uh, just excited to be bowling again, and uh, I'm excited for our team to get a chance to be out there for several days. There'll be a special community service project on Christmas Day where they're serving meals to uh, some underprivileged folks in the area. There, there'll be chances for them to have a big special team dinner on Christmas Eve, and and a little more pageantry and cool experience than maybe what they had a year ago when they went to Memphis and all of a sudden there was a a water boil order where you couldn't use running water in the hotels or certainly don't drink it and it was cold as heck and you know it just wasn't quite that same feel now the fans brought it strong on Beale Street it was a good time for maybe one night before the game but in this case I think the team gets more of a true bowl experience and I'm excited for them for that regard.
3: Well, UNLV is the matchup here. Uh, when you look at this game, what what's the key for you for KU coming out on top?
0: Well, they want to get up and down the field and uh, score quickly. I, I love the stat that Jordan Peterson gave on Hawk Talk the other day that every single one of their scoring drives this season has featured an explosive play, not necessarily to cap the drive, but to spark the drive. And so it's uh, clearly a team that both with some dynamic running backs, an All-American receiver, super talented quarterback, they can hang with the Hawks when it comes to the yardage and piling it up. But here's my prediction for you. You're old enough to remember it. I don't think Nick is. But how about 05 Fort Worth Bowl? Do you remember the MVP?
3: It was, okay, was it Jason Swanson? It was. So another Jason. It put you on the spot yeah. and you knocked
0: it out of the park. Impressive. I couldn't
3: remember if it was him or if it was, because I think Brian Murph had like a big punt return.
0: Wow. You were just like a walking encyclopedia. Well, you know
3: what? I It helps that we do trivia. I, I've learned more, honestly, from trivia than probably the trivia kids. Do, do you remember <laughs> who the
0: losing coach was in that game? Okay,
3: let's see. It he, was Houston. He went on to become a pretty big name. Art it was, there you all go. Yeah. Wow, I should just keep asking questions. You're gonna keep nailing them. We did not rehearse this ahead of time. No.
0: <laughs> What's the sixth digit on oh, the gosh. right side of the decimal of pi? <laughs> just kidding. Unless you got it. 3.1415926. Amazing people. Yeah. I'm taking this guy to Vegas. I don't think I can go any um, more than that. That's incredible. Um, all right, so Jason Swanson. Yep. Hey, where am I going with this? I think you know Jason Bean has had a more decorated career than Jason Swanson, but um, not knowing what lied in front of Jason, he let it all hang out. That was his last game as a collegiate, and man, did he ever shine! And winds up taking home this bowl MVP trophy. And I think Jason Bean pins that final chapter on his Kansas career, a completely different legacy than what we ever would have imagined when you go back to Memphis a year ago and you watch that third overtime pass, sail high and wide, and he's thinking about transferring, and everybody's dog-cussing him on Twitter, back when Twitter was Twitter and it wasn't X. <laughs> and... Uh, And obviously, he has completely changed the narrative on that heading into the bowl game. I'm saying, Derek and Nick, this is the exclamation point. This is his swan song. This is his final chapter. His Swanson song, yeah. His Swanson song. There you go. (laughs) I love it. Man, you're on fire today. We get one more bean dash down the sideline. 40-plus yard touchdown, we get three to four more Bean passing touchdowns. I'm not saying he's perfect, but I am saying we win the game by double digits. And Jason Bean has a Jason Swanson moment, hoisting the guaranteed rate bowl MVP trophy. I love that. Um, What
3: would you give the chances Devin Neal can break the single-season rushing record? He'd need a lot. I think he's at 12-something. Cornish has it at, at 14, he needed need about 250, 250 on the ground. Yeah. We've seen that before. I think the Oklahoma State game, he had yeah. what, like 270, somewhere in that range? 292, I think. Was that much? Was well, that yeah. a, but that was, was total yards. It was 300 It was total yards. To 200. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah.
0: He would have to be intentionally setting out to do it. But do you think, uh, do they, you think they, I, I
3: don't know, we, we don't know if Devin Neal goes pro after this game, If he, whatever happens. I mean, who knows if, if that decision's been made or not, but could you see a scenario where let's say he's got 150 you know at the beginning of the fourth quarter staff knows it's the last game of the year at the very least maybe it is maybe it isn't for him in his career could you see them riding the 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 train a little bit to to try to get that number maybe
0: but it's so counterintuitive yeah. now to guys that are thinking about going pro. If anything, they're pulling back and not <laughs> yeah. wanting to risk anything. I mean, how many pro prospects, whether they're good prospects or not, have pulled out of these bowl games and aren't playing in them? And uh, and we still don't have a depth chart, by the way, for either team. I think they're playing a, a stare-down game <laughs> of chicken right now. Who's going to release their game notes first and have to show their cards as to what the 2 deep looks like? But you know, if, if Devin is thinking this is it, and I hope he's not, um because i think there's still a great great nice. chance we get him back and he goes for the real record yeah. which is the career rushing record of june henley that he's about 800 yards shy of um f- currently fifth place all time it's laverne smith that he's going to pass in this game yeah it's about 76 or so back of smith that will happen there, there's your way far out on a limb <laughs> prediction um but i uh I think it's counterintuitive to think that they double down. Well, if this is our last ride, let's just run him into the ground with 40 carries because if anything, he wants to stay healthy Mm -hmm. at that point. So lesser chance of that. But I hope he has fireworks regardless. I hope all of our juniors have big games and it sets the tone for all of them coming back and receiving preseason top 15, top 20 ranking recognition. And we start the CFP talk uh, early because most of them want to come back. Let's hope that's the case. But it won't be all of them coming back, I'm sure. But but I'm, I'm hopeful they all have such an experience and the culture is as good as we know it is that this just kind of sets the stage for the biggest off-season hype and preseason buildup and then the best regular season enjoyment we've had since 2007.
3: That's right. He is the voice of Jayhawks, Brian Haney. Before we let you go, a word from Nate Miller? I want to keep
0: quizzing you on stuff. Capital of Montana. <laughs> uh, Mozilla. No, Bozeman, right? I finally got him. I'm bad with capitals. I finally so. got him. It's Helena. Oh, it. oh, my gosh. Both, both wrong. I, when I was a kid, Joe Montana was still playing football, and you had to do yeah. mnemonic devices to remember the capitals. So I would say, and this isn't true, Joe Montana's wife is Helen. Helena ah, Montana. There you go. That's how I would remember <laughs> it. So I taught you something today. You taught me about six things. <laughs> you were batting a 1,000. I, th- I thought we were going to end huh? on a high note, but. Yeah. That's okay. That's still a good percentage. Uh, they've got great rates and percentages when you go to my main man, Nate Miller. He will make sure your financial portfolio is almost as impressive as Derek's Instant Recall. So uh, check him out today, MillerRetirementGroup.com. MillerRetirementGroup.com. The most profitable and stable financial future is awaiting you with the great advice from my main man, Nate Miller. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Appreciate you both so much. Look forward to seeing you in Phoenix. All right, Merry Christmas, Brian. Cue the disclaimer.
7: Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services.
3: Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. John Kirby will join us at 505. Lance Leipold Audio next. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And joined now by John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant and Rivals. And certainly uh, things are... Pretty crazy right now if you're on the uh, message boards with with so much going on with Uh, You know, everything with National Signing Day yesterday, bowl games next week. So uh, certainly check out Jayhawk Slant and and with John. John, thanks for hopping on today with Signing Day yesterday. No surprises. I'm sure that was good for for your end of things, not having to deal with any uh, crazy flips or or decommits or anything like that. Everybody signed. They did add one flip of their own with Graydon Grimes coming in. Uh, But I want to start kind of at the top of the class. You look at the rival's. Uh, rankings, and there are uh, what four four four-star kids coming in. Austin Alexander, Deshaun Warner, Dak Brinkley, and Jalen Todd. Uh, When you look at the the defensive end position, and and kind of the edge position, I know Brinkley listed as a linebacker, but I don't know if the expectation there is to play edge as well. Uh, What exactly is KU getting in Warner and Brinkley? Like, What is the level of talent that they're getting here that they haven't had before?
7: Well, Derek, I mean, I've covered KU recruiting since 1999. Okay, and I I mean, i I've seen it all, and I just don't know the last time I remember two DNs like this in a class with this kind of upside. I mean, these guys are twitchy. They're they're, they're that pass rush guy that, that, that people always talk about. I mean, you know, you, you listen, they needed help, and they got Lonnie Phelps, and they needed help, and they lost him and said, oh, my God, what are you going to do with DN? And Austin Booker came in. And so DN is always that position that, Everybody is always talking about And w- When you look at the portal, I was talking to a college coach the other day, and he said, the end is the one position in the portal that everybody is always looking at because you can't have enough of them. So, I mean, these two guys are going to be a- as good and as le- athletic in a class coming in at the same time than I can ever remember.
3: And uh, corner position is is the other one that sticks out to me besides that edge spot because you have – you know Jalen Todd and Austin Alexander and even uh, a little uh, further down the list on on the recruiting rankings but but still high up there with um, you know uh, uh, Andre Gibson the uh, commit from Desert Edge along with those three kids out of Goodyear Arizona uh, when you look at the corner position that that seems to be to me like the room that I think you probably feel great about or, or the best about if you're KU in terms of both the combination of the current, uh, group that's there along with the future because it's not just this class it's last year with Jamil Croft and and Jacoby Davis it's it's obviously the current guys with Melo Dotson we'll see what happens with Kobe Bryant it, when you when you look at the corner room and the guys coming in there uh, would you say that that is KU's biggest strength of any position group on the team for both the combination of current and future
7: yeah I would say that Derek you know the the other group along with corner, that's kind of gone unnoticed and not talked about is also offensive line. Mm. I mean, you know, they were able to get Kenny and Nene, who's the number one, you know, offensive lineman in Minnesota, and they were able to get Labrowski out of out of Arizona and Harrison Utley and and David Abajan out of California. I mean, there, there's four pretty good linemen in there. But But you're right in terms of what we would call star power and rankings and looking at it, I would say the corners are probably... You know, the three combined are, are all really solid.
3: Yeah. And uh, w- when you look at the top of this recruiting class, like, is there a player that you think maybe can hit the field first among the group? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's one of the running backs just because that position tends to be easier to get on the field early. Maybe it's an Isaiah Marshall if, if he could be the starter by 2025. Like, uh, who would you say maybe gets on the field first that we see first among this recruiting class?
7: Well, I think a lot of it depends on a development of like a Deshaun Warner. And I think a lot of it also happens to be with KU is is who comes back and who doesn't, because I mean, Derek, one of the things that, you know, I'm getting off topic here, but one of the things that we're going to have to keep an eye on, you know, in the upcoming week is, is the portal. And, you know, it's the odds are, and the percentages say that, you know, once the bowl game's over that, you know, guys are going to hit the portal if it's one or three or four or five, who knows, But, you know, I think a lot of it's going to depend on that. But I I think Deshaun Warner has the ability that you could bring him in on a third-down package, maybe if he's still trying to learn the defense and understand the defense through fall camp after he gets to KU. But he's good enough, talented enough, that you could say, okay, third and ten, get him on the field and just turn him loose. I mean, he's he's pretty good. Um, You know, you look at the running backs, you know, if, if Devin Neal comes back, and Highshaw comes back and Sevian Morrison, you know, it's going to be tough for running backs to get on the field. If Jalen Daniels is healthy and the, the emergence of Cole Ballard, you know, you kind of hope that Isaiah Marshall redshirts right next year and doesn't see the field. Because if he doesn't see the field, that's good news for KU. That means Jalen Daniels is, is healthy and ready to go. So, you know, when you look down a lot of these guys, like you just talked about the corners, how, how talented that group is. But look who they're behind. I mean, they're, if Melo Dotson and Kobe Bryant are back, they're behind those guys. So you sit here and say, "Man, could they possibly redshirt?" So it, it'll be interesting. Again, you know, they were able to redshirt the entire class this year, and and that's how you build a program.
3: Yeah, and, and maybe based on what you're describing, they'll be able to do something similar next year. So a uh, quick follow-up to something you said, along with there, if if you were listing, I guess the betting favorites. Uh, would you make the favorite for the backup quarterback position next year, uh, Cole Ballard, and, instead of Isaiah Marshall?
7: I, I, you know, I don't know that answer, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, Marshall's going to come in at mid-year. He's, he's coming in January. Okay? He'll be on one month from now. He'll be on campus. So he's going to get to go through spring football. And Man, he is talented. I watched him play. The semifinal game, I watched him play the state championship game. I watched every play of those two games, and let me tell you, he's a leader. That kid is just flat out not going to let his team lose those games. Watching him, uh, he, he elevates his team. He, he's good enough, but he's got to come in and learn the offense. And you know, when you when you go to KU, they're not they they they've got a new offensive coordinator, but they're not going to change what they do. Okay, and when you come to KU, you've got to learn that offense. And, and I even think when Cole Ballard went in there. He knew the offense, but he didn't know it like uh, Jason Bean and Jalen Daniels. So they kind of protected Cole Ballard when he was in there. They ran some wildcat, and they they kept things simple for him. So learning the offense for Isaiah Marshall, that'll probably be the biggest thing because KU does so much with their scheme and all their movements.
3: When you look at the running backs they brought in, Harry Stewart and Red Martell, I know some of the track numbers, Stewart seems to be maybe the faster of the two. I know he played against higher-level competition. Uh, what do you kind of envision the the roles or the, uh, I don't know, scouting reports on the difference between the two with Stewart versus Martell?
7: Yeah, I, I would have told you until a couple of days ago when I went back and started watching some of Martel's senior stuff more than I had, that, that Stewart was more... I thought probably you're all-purpose back. He could catch the ball well. I thought he had some similarities to Devin Neal when I remember watching Devin Neal's highlight film. But then I went and watched Martel. Now, you know, Martel's kind of a thick kid. He's well-built. Um, but then when I went and watched his film, he was doing some stuff, especially in between the tackles, where he was stopping on a dime and making guys miss, which I didn't see as much of going into his senior year. So, you know... The differences between the two. I think they're both very good. I mean, you know, we've got we've got Stewart just right on the edge of being a four star running back, and Martell's been the number one running back, I believe, number one or number two in Oklahoma for the last two years in our ranking. So, pr- pretty good quality in both of those backs
3: yeah is is there a guy for you on the offensive side of the ball? like I feel like everybody in a recruiting class has maybe a guy that they think is is a little bit underrated or somebody that they're willing to you know kind of stake their claim in is like, okay, I, th- I think this guy's going to turn into a really good player here in a couple of years. Who would that be for you on the offensive side of the football?
7: Yeah, you know the guy that I thought that that kind of just went in under the radar, he committed in the summer. He took several visits to KU. is Carson Brunn, defensive uh, tight end out of Sioux Center, Iowa, and you know Carson had Missouri, Minnesota, K State, KU offers, and I always kind of thought the whole uh, along the way it was he was going to be hard to get, and then once the summer got here and he took that official visit, I mean he he surprised me with committing to KU right after the visit, and I kind of got word that that's how, what he was leaning to do. And I was like, wow, that's a good pickup. But he's a good player. I just went and watched some of his, his basketball clips the other day. You know, he's six foot five, two 220 pounds, and, and he's physical, and they line him up all over the field. So uh, Carson Brun's a good football
3: player. And what about the offense or the opposite side of the ball, defensive side of the ball? Who is that same guy for you that maybe is a little underrated, maybe flying under radar a little bit, but that you would be willing to stake that claim in?
7: Man, I like Andre Gibson, the the corner from De- Desert Edge. You know, I was watching one of his games in the state semifinals, and and the announcers were just talking about, hey, you've got to kick away from this kid. And they called him the most dangerous return man in the state of Arizona. Mm. So, I mean, just not as a corner. I mean, he is fun to watch when he gets the ball in the open field. I think he's good enough, Derek, as a return guy to come in in the summer, figure out some of the schemes on, on special teams and the blocking, what they want to do. And I think he's good enough through fall camp to challenge, to get out on the field in the return game.
3: Wow, that would uh, certainly be a nice boon for for KU to kind of have out there. Uh, well, John, I appreciate all your thoughts on this class and everything. I'll let you get back to it and uh, keep up the good work. Is there anything you want to plug uh, going on with Jayhawkslant?
7: Not much, you know. It's just um, it, it's portal watch season, and and I know you know you get a lot of fans <laughs> that <laughs> that go hot and cold on this. You know, a lot of people don't like it, but we are in the age, Derek, of portal and NIL, and it's. It's not going anywhere right now, and it is incredibly important, uh, you know, to keep kids in your program, and and then not only that, may, maybe having to go out and get good kids if you lose kids and tell them, you know, what, what they can benefit from coming to KU, you know, in their NIL program once you're in there, so... Man, it, it has changed the game, and I still think we're going to have some movement here over the next you know couple weeks.
3: All right. Well, uh, that'll be something to keep an eye on, and certainly I'd imagine after the KU Bowl game could be uh, prime time there. So join Jayhawk Slant. John, I appreciate the time, man, and uh, have a great rest of your day.
7: All right, Derek. You too. Thanks.
3: That was John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant and Rivals joining us here. On Rock Shock Sports Talk. Thank you to John for coming on the show. We are going to take a time out here. We've got the rest of the Lance Leipold audio from what he had to say on signing day. We shared first part for you earlier on in the show. We'll get to the second part coming up on the other side. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com or the KLWN app, depending on it.